This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. There's that famous phrase about obscenity and pornography. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Porn is a complicated part of our society. Ubiquitous, yes, but also very, very stigmatized. And the adult entertainment industry is constantly being rocked by technological advances, legal changes, and ethical whistleblowing. Whether you watch porn or not, admit to it or not, it impacts the way we all think about sex and gender and power. So what if we changed the way we approach porn, sex, and love? Could thinking differently about this stuff make society better? I am socializing, normalizing, and destigmatizing sex in order to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and behavior, and to act as literally sex education through real world demonstration. Cindy Gallup, CEO of Make Love Not Porn, joins us in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. And in case you couldn't tell from our intro, today's episode will discuss adult themes. There will be adult language, so listener discretion is advised. We started the show today talking about the P word, but our guest today actually draws a line between what her company does and what porn is. Porn is an industry, according to her. And in terms of a genre, it's more like fantasy than it is real life. So draw a line in your mental sand between porn and consensual homemade sex tapes shared with the world on the internet, what Cindy calls social sex. You might put all this stuff in the same bucket of obscenity, but Cindy says if we were all more honest and open about sex, and if those of us who watched porn changed our viewing habits, sex tapes could make the world a better place. Here's our conversation. I got to start with the contention that the your site, Make Love Not Porn, has all kinds of videos of people making love, but you don't call that porn. Most, a, a lot of people, I don't know if most, but a lot of people would say if it's, if it's graphic images and video of sex, that's pornography. You wouldn't, you don't agree. So Celeste, um, what you've just said is an indication of how fucked up our society is around sex. <laughs> when people think that anything involving people having sex on video must be porn. So um, let me be very clear about the distinction. Porn is performative, produced, scripted entertainment. In fact, you know, it's exactly like any other form of manufactured entertainment, you know, movies, TV, you know, films made for streaming, where you are basically performing in order to entertain an audience, in the case of porn, to arouse an audience. And the way to think about um, Make Love Not Porn in this context is, as our name indicates, we are about making love, not porn. Our tagline is we are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And so if porn is, as I've described, the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary because we are a unique window onto the comical, awkward, messy, funny, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. And, and by the way, um, I use that analogy deliberately 
because Make Love Not Porn exists not as a competitor to porn, but as the only real world counterpoint and complement. People like watching movies. People also like watching documentaries, sometimes in the mood for a movie, sometimes in the mood for a documentary. And so that is Make Love Not Porn because we answer the question that everybody has asked since the dawn of time, which is, what is everybody else really doing in bed? Okay, but uh, th then let's pick apart the, you said, much needed documentary. Mm. So that goes to your contention that social sex, um, videos in which we see real people having actual sex with whomever their partner might be, is good for society. You know, it's difficult to argue the other side because every single bit of information and data and study that I could find was not about social sex. It was about pornography. Hmm. Um, so how do you know that social sex is good for society? Sure. So, um, I mean, first of all, you know, I came up with the idea of Make Love Not Porn and with the idea of pioneering this whole new category on the internet, social sex has never existed before. Because of my direct personal experience dating younger men, the men I date tend to be in their twenties, and realizing 15, 16 years ago, that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. But the key point is, as I've been saying for the 14 years since the TED talk that I launched Make Love Not Porn with, the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex openly and honestly in the real world. Because if we did, people would then bring a real world mindset to the viewing of porn, which is, as I've said, simply performative produced entertainment, and they would know it wasn't real. Because we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, it's not surprising that people are taking their cues about what to do in bed from the only place that they can ever see people having sex. So I, I created Make Love Not Porn based on a very simple principle. I decided to make sex easier to talk about by using the same dynamics that have made everything else easier to talk about um, broadly um, and widely, which is I decided to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to this one area of universal human experience that no other social net network or platform will allow. And so I am socializing, normalizing and destigmatizing sex, bringing it out of the shadows into the sunlight in order to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and behavior, and to act as literally sex education through real world demonstration. Now, that's the idea I came up with 14 years ago, based on the extraordinary response to my TED talk. But the reason I can say to you confidently that social sex is very good for society in the world is because I now have 10 years of proof of concept. Because we launched makelovenotporn.tv 10 years ago, and it demonstrated very quickly that as a unique business, we have a unique capability. Make Love Not Porn has the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. We have 10 years worth of emails, comments on our videos, conversations where young people have thanked us 
for showing them that porn is not sex in the real world. Many couples saying, you saved our marriage, you saved our relationship, you know, you helped inspire communications breakthroughs. In fact, the important thing about Make Love Not Porn is it's not just what we do, it's the way that we do it. So we are spearheading what we call the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex. It's the fact we're finally making it social. So, for example, when we built our platform, my lead user experience designer, the brilliant Uni Chase, she said to me, everything on the internet to do with sex is dark and black. We're going to be white. And so that is why Make Love Not Porn has a white background, because we are bringing sex out of the shadows into the sunlight. And so couples say to us that when they watch our videos together, um, it feels as natural and normal to talk about what they see in them as talking about something you just watched on Netflix or on TV. And from there, it's one step further to talking about their own sex lives and, and making that feel much more natural and normal than, than it may, may have been hitherto. So, you know, we have um, made, parents tell us that being members of our community means they felt able to be more open about sex with their children. A ton of parents are buying subscriptions to Make Love Not Porn for their 18 and over children. They tell us they want, they want them to see what happy, healthy, loving sexual relationships look like. And, and, and here's a really powerful um, use case, Celeste, that um, like any disruptive technology, you know, use cases emerge that the founder never dreamed of. So Make Love Not Porn is doing everything I designed it to do, but I'm blown away by what it's doing that I never designed to do. So we hear regularly from survivors of rape, sexual assault and abuse, who tell us that Make Love Not Porn helped them reclaim their bodies. We help them feel able to be sexual again in a scenario where porn is way too triggering. And we hear this not only from our members who view our social sex videos, we hear it from the contributors whom we call our Make Love Not Porn stars. We have a number of Make Love Not Porn stars who tell us that socially sharing themselves sexually in a completely safe and trustworthy space help them process and heal from sexual trauma. And I am just so humbled by the fact that our platform is able to help with that. Okay, we have to take a break, but there is so much to unpack in what you're talking about. We're talking to Cindy Gallup about her view that social sex, sex that takes place in, in the public uh, sphere, at least for adults, uh, consenting adults, is good for society and, and also good for our sex lives, which I feel like we just heard a very strong and passionate argument for. You're listening to Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate, and we are definitely going to dig in a little deeper into this topic in a moment. So stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
And we're back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. And today our guest is Cindy Gallup. She's CEO of two companies, If We Ran the World and Make Love Not Porn. And it's the second company which is the subject of our discussion today because Cindy believes that Social sex, um, especially videos, images of regular couples, sexual encounters and intimacy is good for society. And and I feel like, Cindy, you gave a good argument for the fact that um, your site and the even the concept of social sex is good for sex lives. But let's go a little further into this idea that it's good for society. And I ask that because there are a lot of people who would feel that this kind of graphic content is personal and um, not meant to be displayed towards others, that uh, sharing this kind of stuff is just going to make horny 18-year-olds think about it even more than they already were. Um, You know, that this kind of thing is, whatever you want to call it, pornography, right? The Supreme Court said you know it when you see it, and somebody's going to see naked bodies smashed up against each other and say, yeah, that is not meant to be seen anywhere but but by those two people in the privacy of their own bedroom. So first of all, let me be crystal clear once again that Make Love Not Porn is, as our name suggests, about making love, not porn. Porn is produced, performative, scripted entertainment designed to arouse. Make Love Not Porn is what Facebook would be if it allowed social sexual self-expression, a window onto the wonderful, loving, funny, awkward ways we all have sex in the real world. Now, that being said, Celeste, in the 10 years that I've been launching Make Love Not Porn as a business, I've had the same question that you've just asked me asked many times, often by some frightfully nice woman at the BBC in a British accent who goes, oh, but Cindy, Sex is a private, personal, intimate thing. Don't you feel that what you're doing at Make Love Not Porn is cheapening it? And I'm gonna give you the response I always give when I get this question, which is, do something for me. Go to Google and enter in the search box the word porn, as millions of children do every single day. And for the benefit of our audience, the average age date which a child is first exposed to porn online is six years old. So enter the word porn, look at the 10 sites that come up on page one of Google when you do that, go to each one of those porn sites, take a long hard look at the homepage as millions of children are doing every single day and then tell me I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, which is showing the world what it's like to make love, not porn. And I want to also just um, clarify um, a reference you made because I do find that something people say or presume a lot is, oh, make love not porn is real couples having real world sex. No, we're not. We exist to celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality. So we have a ton of solo videos. We have many masturbation videos shared by male, female, trans, non-binary Make Love Not Porn stars. We are fully diverse and inclusive. You know, our members now Make Love Not Porn stars alike are, you know, straight, LGBTQ, you know, all races, nationalities, we're a global platform. And I mentioned that especially because um, here are a couple of the um, social benefits that are delivered by the opportunity to do what people have never been able to do before, which is see how we all have sex in the real world. 
Social sex videos and make love not porn are enormously reassuring because we celebrate real world everything. Real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size, real world vulvas. And the reason that's important is because you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love till you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, nothing makes us feel great about our own bodies, like seeing people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. In a world where every message popular culture sends us, tells us that we are not hot, such and desirable, unless we are this skinny, six pack abs look like this. Our members write to us and say, you made me feel better about my own body. You know, one man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and sensual with each other because you made each of us feel better about our own bodies. And then very importantly, we celebrate real world emotion, love, intimacy, feelings. And the reason that's crucial is because again, in popular culture, TV, movies, Netflix, we see many creative expressions and narratives of relationships, but we never see the actual sex. On Make Love Not Porn, you see the actual sex, but you also see the relationships. Because in our videos, those two things are indivisible. And I don't just mean that in our coupled partnered threesome videos, you see healthy, loving relationship dynamics within sex. In the many solo videos I referenced, you see what it's like to have a healthy relationship with yourself, with your own body, your own sexuality, your own genitals. If you're trying to make the world a better place, are there more urgent um, issues that you could focus your attention on than sex? And I say that because, you know, I, while you were talking, I went to Google, I typed in porn, just as you said, which is going to ruin all of my algorithms and uh, make them uh, very dirty for quite some time, I assume, and, and clicked on a few of those sites. Wow. Let me just say that. <laughs> uh but there's so much sex already in the diaspora. Um, why this? So our mission at Make Love Not Porn ultimately is to end rape culture. We end rape culture by doing something incredibly simple that nevertheless nobody else anywhere on the internet is doing. We end rape culture by showing you how wonderful great consensual communicative sex is in the real world, our social sex videos role model, good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And here's the important part. We make all of that aspirational versus what you see in porn and popular culture. We make people want to be good in bed the real world sex way. And very importantly, um, we are especially a revelation to men in this context, which I'll come on to in, in more detail after the chance. But um, basically, rape culture has been holding women back since time immemorial. I learned this myself in business, and I've been saying this for years. The single biggest business issue facing every industry is not, as I used to think, diversity and inclusion, it's sexual harassment. That is the single biggest business issue in every industry because sexual harassment manages women out of every industry. Sexual harassment derails women's careers crushes women's ambitions, destroys women's dreams. And sexual harassment therefore keeps out of leadership in every industry, the female leaders who would make diversity and inclusion happen. Rape culture has held women back again since the dawn of time. 
And we will not see a gender equal world without ending rape culture. And that is why what we're doing is critically important. But also, what we're doing at Make Love Not Porn has a tremendous benefit for mental health because huge numbers of mental health issues are driven by sexual trauma, sexual issues, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment that we've imbued sex with. You know, because we're so fucked up about it, we've defaulted sex to an act, to a thing we do. It's not, it's personality. Who we are sexually informs everything about how we feel about ourselves, our relationships, our lives. You know, makeup porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. And that is why what we are doing can have a ripple effect of social benefits across so many areas we haven't even begun to see until I gain access to the capital and funding I need to scale Make Love Not Porn to change the world through sex. So last question for you, because you mentioned earlier um, uh, some parents who buy a subscription when their kids turn 18. And my question is, you know, at least when it comes to actual porn porn, we know that there are often issues, especially among men, of addiction, uh, porn addiction. Is that something you're concerned about uh, with subscribers to your site? So um, um, the answer is absolutely not, because um, what the presumption of porn addiction is driven by, and by the way, I will just say that I am with the very large field of medical authorities who do not agree that there is such a thing as porn addiction. Okay, um, it, is, it has not been identified as a health issue by the WHO. You know, it is not in any class of, um, and, I, and I can tell you based on, you know, the dialogues I've had over the past 14 years, that half of the problem with people who think they're addicted to porn is the shame, guilt, and embarrassment. They've been socially conditioned to feel around anything to do with sex. But, uh, but the reason I say not remotely is because what makes people think they're addicted to porn is the way that porn sites are deliberately designed to operate, which is quick hits. You know, um, masturbate and orgasm as quickly as possible. And there are a ton of stats on, you know, Pornhub will absolutely tell you, you know, the lengths of time that people stay on their site, etc. Make Love Not Porn operates completely differently. And, you know, this is why um, our members write to us every day. And again, to tell us how much um, we've changed their lives. This is sex in the real world. This is being aroused by how much people love each other. This is, a, this is literally a completely different feeling. Until you've watched our social sex videos, you don't get it. But, but, but I want in this context to, to explain what I alluded to earlier, which is, as I said, we designed to make love not porn to include everybody. But we have found that we come as the biggest revelation to men. More men send us appreciative emails, leave grateful comments than anybody else, because we are something unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet, which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. You would not believe the number of men who write to us and say, I just watched my first video Make Love Not Porn, and afterwards I cried. I've said for years, I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact. We'd all be a lot better off if they were. I picked up a wonderful Twitter exchange last year between two men. The first man had tweeted, this is obviously a joke, he tweeted, hey guys, I've got this really weird fetish. I've got this kink 
Well, I want to watch porn where people are honest, loving, loyal, decent, and really like each other. Hit me up with your hottest links, please. And another man <laughs> replied, and he said, there's this website called Make Love Not Porn, where you can see real couples making love. He said, I watched a video where the woman said to her man, I love you while they're making love. He said, sincerely, I cried when I heard that. We are one of the solutions to toxic masculinity. Men leave comments in our videos. One man left a comment saying, this video makes me want to be a better man in the bedroom and in life. Every week I say that we know you have thoughts on this topic, but this week I know that you have thoughts on this topic and I invite you to share them. You can email us, hearmeout at slate.com. To the best of your ability, try to keep it clean. Lots of you have emailed us already about lots of things. On last week's episode, we had Yehuda Reamer on to share his ideas for keeping kids safe from guns by teaching them about using guns. We wanted to share a letter we got from a listener named Justin about that show. Justin wrote this. First, thanks for your show. Love it. What I was craving to hear was some philosophic rigor. One, all rights are socially constructed. Nothing is God-given. Two, there is concrete evidence that gun restrictions save lives, e.g. every developed country, democratic or not. In these conversations about guns, I wish the dichotomy was framed more as a spectrum of rights v. consequences, not as two poles. Basically, as a political body, we are saying we choose this current level of deaths if it ensures the current rights to own and carry. I, thanks for that, Justin. Um, there are a lot of different ways to approach the conversation about guns and safety. I did try to keep the statistics and the response specifically toward unintentional, accidental firing of guns, especially when they involve children. But you are absolutely correct. There are lots of different ways to go with the argument. And I appreciate everybody's take on these issues. And frankly, <laughs> on a show like Hear Me Out, we're probably going to be returning to this topic again. We cover a lot of challenging opinions on the show, and we are sure that you have your own thoughts. And guess what? We love hearing them. So please email us. It's hearmeout at slate.com. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by the great Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations, and Alicia Montgomery is our awesome VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley, and until next time, I want you to speak your mind, but keep it open.